today's podcast is more of a description of two friends that have died within the last year. Two people who were hugely significant in my work life and my personal life. David Colvin and Bill McKittrick. These were two people who I counted as friends, mentors, and who contributed a huge amount to social work in the United Kingdom over many decades. In David Colvin's case, I'm terribly pleased to have been able to uh, record an interview with his daughter, Iona Colvin, who herself has made a career in social work and who amazingly has also now risen to become Chief Social Work Advisor to the Scottish Government, as was David, her father, before her. And it was from him that I learned a huge amount, and I hope that the interview with Iona reflects the time and my feelings towards David. As for Bill, he was not only a friend and a huge influence on social work in the southwest of England, in fact all over, and members of the professional association as well, but he was a neighbour and he was a friend, and he also as an author and as somebody as a sounding board for me was incredibly influential. And so in that case of the two of them it's been a very sad year. Anyway, let's play the interviews. Well, and welcome to the programme, Iona Colvin, who joins us today. And uh, we're going to talk a lot about your father, uh, David mm-hmm. Colvin, who passed away just about a year ago and who was one of the major figures of social work, not just in Scotland, but in the UK as well and in the British Association of Social Workers and so many other places. So welcome to the programme, Iona. Thank you very much, David. I'm delighted to be speaking to you. No. I know that you know the subject because you are now yourself the Chief Social Work Advisor to the Scottish Government, so um, Mm. there's a wee bit of knowledge within you as well about the subjects (laughs) we're going to be talking about. But, I mean, in in a family sense, um, what was the sort of first kind of memories or group of memories that you remember about your dad's work? I mean, was it colleagues coming home? Was it him talking about it? Was it just coming in with a sense of, of injustice and how to right the world? Or, or how did it actually kind of come into your consciousness as a child? Um, well, I think as a family, we moved around quite a lot because we kind of followed, obviously followed dad in terms of the job. So mm. I've got a vague memory of being um, a very small child in Glasgow. And that's when he coincides with when he worked in the probation service and um, actually very close to where I now live in Pollockshields in Glasgow, <laughs> funnily enough. Um, but I suppose my first awareness was we, um, when I was quite young, uh, and my both my sister and brother were born, we moved to Dumfries. Mm-hmm. And we lived in the grounds of Crichton Royal uh, Hospital, which was a mental health hospital. Ah, and yeah, so we lived in the grounds of the hospital uh, in that place called the Bungalow, 
And uh, next door to us was uh, Dr. Keith Wardrobe and his family. And um, it was a brilliant place to live as a kid because it was kind of like, you know, in the fields and in the, the grounds of the hospital were beautiful. And every night at five o'clock, there was a hooter that went and the patients, I presume, went back to their wards and the families got to go to the hospital swimming pool and swim in the swimming pool. And I guess there was this kind of like, it was a great place to grow up, but it was a kind of awareness that your dad worked in the hospital and that um, slowly, I suppose, that he was involved in the kind of social work side of things. And mm. yeah, um, social justice was a recurring theme throughout my childhood. Always was in his life, wasn't it, anyway? Yes, uh, absolutely. I mean, I, I've got to declare at this point anyway that I was a... I, I was very much very fond of your father, and he was almost like a kind of a mentor to me as well. So mm-hmm. I mean, uh, I've got all the memories. When you say little bits there, things come back to me as well. But and the hospital you talked about. I mean, did you get a sense as a child that he wasn't like a medical doctor or anything like that, or did you imagine that he was, or was because it, it was a psychiatric unit, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. That he worked on. Yeah, it was psychiatric unit. No, I never thought he was a doctor. I knew that. I always knew he was a social worker, so he must have told me that. So mm. I've, I've always known that. And um, it, 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 yeah, it always involved in politics outside of the job as well as in social work. So just a, a kind of and his friends were were um, quite a, a lot of them were were involved in politics at that point. It was Labour Party politics, but the um, also, people like Nancy Young and Sheila Ross, who were friends in Dumfries, mm. who both taught social work in um, at uh, Jordan Hill. All people. So all people, yeah. and they came every Saturday night, you know, and, yeah. and you know there was just a crowd of people around who, and I guess they all just talked about stuff. It's interesting you say that. It's amazing the coincidences because. Um, I, I remember these names, but I mean, I think partly of it was I, I went to Jordan Hill College School. Ah. And mm. kind of was, um, I was the guinea pig for loads of people at the college that are coming down to practice on the pupils. <laughs> <laughs> um, but and your dad then, he moved on, didn't he, to, to Paisley in Glasgow yeah. um, in the family mm. service unit, I believe. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, he, we. Um, yeah, he he joined. I think it might have been called the Child and Family Welfare Unit or something at that point. Mm. And um, at that point, I think that his who he's te- I don't know if he was the team leader or whatever. He worked with Joyce Minnis, who um, I later came across as uh, Joyce taught social work at Paisley, oh, and I right. went to Paisley, but I didn't study social work at Paisley but I came across Joyce Minnis and I remember and Morag Falls in fact and then both speaking to me about my dad but yeah um, so he worked in children and families and, and uh, we lived in a council house in Hunters Hill and uh, yeah so by that mm. time there were uh, four of us four kids and uh, we lived next door to a family called the Forbes family and they uh, fostered kids, so uh, oh, and there was a lot of we had a lot of interaction uh, with the Forbeses. They were great, you know, like they they, they fostered kids. They also ended up adopting quite a few of the kids, and um, so 
It was quite a kind of so lively you were, interface. You were quite steeped in, weren't you, in kind of experiences of all lots of different bits of social work. Yes. Mm. Uh-huh. And and um, those were the days when, when, well, in fact, we have returned to this a bit more these days, but um, those were the days when you did things like you took the kids on holiday and we went to Arran, for example. My sister and I went with my dad when we, you know, the ch- local children's home, I think there was about 30 or 40 of us in total, went to Arran and slept in the the church hall in Lamlash on Okay. Camp beds, you know, <laughs> and and I see, you know, for a long time in the you know the last maybe twenty years that wasn't something that happened, you know, and then these days it is something that happens that people, eh, social workers do take kids away and they do they are part of that full kind of circle again. again. Yeah, and, and also since you mentioned that you were director of social work over at Ayrshire, and wasn't Aaron part of your? Yeah, it was. Your, your territory, yeah, yeah, as it were. Yeah, yeah, yeah I remember uh, that. Uh-huh. Yeah. Strangely, it was a bit <laughs> strange to go through Lamlash and think, I've been here before, which I remembered, because everybody that lived in the West went to Aaron at some point. But, yeah, I went and had a look at the Lamlash Church Hall. <laughs> <laughs> Knowing your dad's work and so on, I mean, can you remember when you first decided to, to, to go into social work? Was it just some kind of an absorption or was there an actual kind of moment of, of kind of realisation? No, there was a, quite a lot of resistance, basically. From your um, dad? Because, no, from me. Oh, from you, right. Okay. <laughs> My dad wanted me to be a social worker. <laughs> and uh, I've got, I co- like many young people, of course, when you're about to leave school, you haven't got a clue what you want to do. So, um, and I, I'd, I was never, um, I was never very good at studying just because I always had other things that you had to do, as we do. And uh, anyway, so then I I was trying to decide what to do and he kind of was saying, why don't you go to Paisley? Because at that point, Paisley was teaching um, undergraduate social work course, which is very unusual. So they mm-hmm. did, like, um, mm-hmm. you did four years and you got an ordinary degree in social services, social, um, social sciences and mm. uh uh, what was then, uh, a, wasn't a diploma in social work, what was it before then? But, uh, before CQSW it was. CQSW, it? that's what it was. Which is what I have. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I mm. went to Paisley and because uh, I basically couldn't think of anything else to do and it meant I could leave home, not that I went, but there was five five kids at that point and I mm. thought I want to go and do something on my own. So I went to Paisley and but I ended up doing um the honours degree in social science. Mm. But my dad was obviously at that point was kinda of like you should do social work and uh, we had a bit of debate about that. And well, you, uh, I didn't do it till later. But you were the only one of the five that did social work, weren't you? <laughs> Formally, yes, but both my sisters are in the caring professions. My sister Katrina is a nurse, a mental mm. health nurse, mm. and and then trained as a psychologist. And my sister Susan has worked in uh, homelessness services all her life. So uh, both sisters are, are kind of heavily so, Yeah, I mean, if it's sister disciplines, I get that. You know, I'm just saying, but you were the only one that actually specifically yeah. went into social work. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Uh-huh. So... Okay, at what what point then, what was your father doing when you first kind of qualified? Can you remember where he was at that point? Was he he at that point um, in the Scottish office or was that before then? No, no, he was in the Scottish office. Joined the Scottish office when I was in 
just in primary school, basically. He came through to Edinburgh to work in the Scottish office around about the time, well, 68, for the 68 Cabrandon oh, right. Act, the Cabrandon mm-hmm. Report. He was involved in that, and then he was involved in the Social Work Scotland, the 1968 Social Work Scotland Act. And um, he, he worked with Betty Jones, who was then in charge of whatever, Social Work Services Group, mm. I think it was called at that point. And... Um, no, so I, you know, it was quite a long time on, and then I think he was actually the chief social work officer, chief social work advisor for Scotland at the time, because I went and um, I did, I went straight into work. I worked in the voluntary sector for a couple of years, and then I worked for maybe eight nine years in in local government in social work in addiction services before I actually was seconded and I did my qualification at Glasgow University I did a postgraduate uh, diploma in social work when was that Anna may I ask mm, Glasgow University 89 91 that okay. time kind of time uh-huh. Uh-huh. so um, yeah hmm. did your father I mean I, I mean was it ever a kind of a Awkward, was there any awkwardness about the fact that you had you were a Colvin and here was Colvin, the top social worker in Scotland? Um, well, as long as I avoided his friends, it was fine. <laughs> <laughs> it was, I didn't, you know, I worked in Strathclyde for quite, I mean, I worked in Strathclyde and then Glasgow City for. 26 years so you know I came across people like Bob Winter and Fred Edwards and folk like that who uh, they, you know mm. these guys uh, together all forged social work in Scotland you know they were instrumental mm. in developing the whole of social work so and uh, some were my dad and Bob Winter for example were very friendly for quite a long time and he was, he was good friends with Fred for a long time as well so it was fine as long as you kept your head down and out of their way Yes, I remember, <laughs> I, I remember Fred Edwards, he was director of social work for Glasgow for quite some time, wasn't he? Strathclyde. Was it Strathclyde? Strathclyde, oh, right, yes. Right, right. But your father, I know, was always talked about him, I remember that, mm-hmm. just, just mm-hmm. one of these mm-hmm. names that always kept coming up. Yeah. Anyway, well, he went on, and I mean, after, you know, he, he was in that, that post for quite a long time, I remember he kept saying to me, one of his favourite phrases was, I've seen off six secretaries of state. Uh-huh. He kept saying that, you know, as if it was a kind of um, a badge of honour. I, I think, to be honest, he had a. He seemed to me that he was always very, very clever man, but I mean, he was always kind of um, slightly wary of politicians. Would that be fair? Don't know. Yeah. I think he was. <laughs> I mean, to be honest, I, I, I don't know because he was involved in politics all his life. Well, until mm-hmm. he became a, a senior civil servant, at which point, of course, he wasn't allowed to be involved in politics. So. Mm-hmm. But yeah, um, I think those were the times that, that we had um, probably quite, you know, like the, the politics were volatile, so it changed quite considerably. And uh, yeah. Mm. You would have a, yeah. a different uh, approach, perhaps. <laughs> it was the continuity the, issue, of I social think. work. Yes. The, the politicians came and went, and you know, I think that yes. was the thing. And, and, and you know, he knew that. Um, mm. And at the same time, you know, and, and some shone more while they were there than others, I guess. And I think that's just obvious, you know. But um, he was there and he was the continuity. Mm-hmm. And that kind of, um, I can remember that sort of being very much kind of... Um, 
how he seemed to view things. At least that's how I read it. He never said it outright to me, but that's how I read it. Mm -hmm. He was involved with NCH Action for Children for quite some time, wasn't he? He he was their kind of um, honorary chair, wasn't he? Yes, I think so. Um, yes, he was. Yeah. I, I, just, I don't know that much about what he did at that, that point. He was involved in NCH Action for Children. He was involved with Sacro for quite a long yes, time. Yes, yes. Um, and criminal justice, particularly criminal justice so short, n never left him really. He, that is where he started in the probation service and he always, always um, returned there. Um, but, yeah. He was involved with the children's services as well. Now, when I first met him, when he was working for British Association of Social Workers in, in Scotland, as it was then, um, he was totally passionate and committed and just in the drop of a hat took on board the, um, the charity that I had started called um, Action on Child Exploitation. Mm -hmm. Ache, mm -hmm. or, mm -hmm. or as he kept calling it, Ach. <laughs> well, that would be Scottish pronunciation, David, and you should know that. No, I know. He knew that. He knew that. And I think it was just his tongue-in-cheek way of kind of keeping me on the ground, you know. Uh -huh. But um, but no, he was passionate. And, and together we went down and we confronted the minister down in, the, in, in, in Westminster, you know, and we, we did this and we did that and we went to international conferences and so forth. And he was really, he just totally came on board and it was just so inspiring I found mm -hmm. you know that brought mm -hmm. all the weight of his expertise in terms of meetings and so on he was quite a formidable um, debater as well mm -hmm. but he was also involved with St Columbus Hospice wasn't he from 98 I've got down I've got these lists in front of me but in 98 mm -hmm. to 2003 yes, he, was he was quite involved there and um the disability issues were important to him. The Scottish Disability Foundation mm -hmm. and the Eric Little Centre in Edinburgh. Mm -hmm. that, these are all names. That sort of, the, the amount of things he got involved with was just incredible. I know, I know. Yeah, well, he never did anything by halves, basically. <laughs> mm. you know? Whether it was uh, about work and about things that he believed in or whether it was... Um, whether it was a bit other things. I'm thinking about, you know, my youngest brother, Angus, is 12 years younger than me. And and I suppose by the time Angus was um, up and about and doing things, the rest of us had left home. So it was like, a, I uh, don't know, right. I suppose like a second go at, at having kids, you know, almost. <laughs> and they did everything from learning to glide to learning to scuba dive to, oh do you know, you name it, they did it. Mm. And uh, that's what he was like. <laughs> he I mean, I went, Angus, went yeah. for everything full, full tilt. That was kind of like what he was like, I suppose. Well, he also had a keen interest in the arts, didn't he, all through his life. And, of course, with, with a lot of your family are incredibly artistic. I mean, your mother and, and, and Callum. Mm. And, well, I mean, Angus, you know, designed the whole thing. and. Mm -hmm. He was so kind of involved with that. And he actually at one point was chairman of the Exhibiting Societies of Scottish Artists, wasn't he, for some time there, trying to sort of, um, unfortunately, politics got in the way a lot with that. But he he did an awful lot for the, the three societies, didn't he? Uh, yeah, because my mum is, is an artist and um, basically... Uh, she had gone to art school later on after we'd all kind of grown up, so... Um, and uh, 
she had wanted all her life to be an artist, really, because I can remember as kids we were made to pose and while she painted her, her <laughs> okay. portraits, right. okay. which wasn't well, something well. we were particularly enamoured with. But anyway. um, and uh, then when, I think when Angus was, and he's certainly in his late teen, teenage, I think she went to art school and she got her degree. Mm. And then uh, kind of that was a different life for her. And uh, dad got involved in um, helping to organise things as he does mm. or did. He's a bit of an organiser. So, yeah, um, and uh, helping to, to sort out the, the, the work around the exhibition of uh, Scottish artists, crafts and guilds, I think it mm. was as well. Oh, right. Because my mother is an embroiderer. Um, she's not a painter. Yeah. So, but but, she's a uh, wonderful embroiderer, I think. You forgot. Yes. I forgot. Yeah. Well, you, I'm yeah. standing here looking at one of her pieces of work <laughs> at the moment and thinking, yeah, I would, I would defy many of us to be able to do the kinds of things mm. that she can do. And yes, my brother is a professor of fine art in Dundee and mm. uh, had always wanted to be an artist from a very young age. And my dad was completely supportive of that and obviously very, very proud of him. And then later on, Angus became a it teaches Angus now teaches design as well. And Angus is based in Moscow now, isn't he? Yes. Mm. Uh-huh. All yeah. over the place, yes. but well, doing good things. <laughs> I, I'll tell you one thing though about the art, though. I think one of the the times that your dad was quite, you know, was happiest was when he could combine um, the art work, you know, after because this is after he retired, you know, from from the social work world. But when he organised or was in the the exhibition at the uh, Royal Scottish Academy. I think mm-hmm. is that the one in Princess Street? Yes. Uh-huh. Um, I approached them because I was working for the, the quarriers at the time. Oh, right, yeah. And mm-hmm. I approached them and, and said, look, um, a lot of the children in some of the quarriers' homes had actually um, done a, an art competition. Could they exhibit mm-hmm. at, the, mm-hmm. at the same time along with the artists at the, at the, at the, at the annual event in the Royal Scottish Academy? Mm-hmm. And he threw himself into that, and it was wonderful, and we did. <laughs> and we had an Great. exhibit of all the, these these kids' work there, and a lot of them were kind of kids with learning difficulties, disabilities, you know, challenged challenges in life mm-hmm. themselves, and, and the work they produced was fantastic, and the families were over the moon at what your dad actually had driven through and managed to, to arrange, and it was just wonderful. Mm-hmm. So he managed to, to do that combination there. I'll always remember that. Yeah. Anyway, so yourself, Iona, here mm-hmm. we are now, and I know you you keep quite rightly saying it is a different world that you inhabit in terms of you know your job as chief social work advisor to the Scottish government from what your father was when he was actually to the you know chief social work advisor of the Scottish office then, but mm-hmm. I mean, can you? put your finger on it, much of the differences at all between then and now. And, and I mean, because people will say, my goodness, what a coincidence, what an incredible coincidence, like father, like daughter, come through and actually be the top social worker in Scotland. But I mean, there are big differences now, aren't there? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. When Dad worked in the government, basically, it was, a, it was a much earlier time. I mean, he was there at the point of the Social Work Scotland Act and then after, and... I suppose that was the that was the birth of that kind of more generic social work movement in Scotland, and 
um, particularly it was rooted in local government and brought together a kind of number of disparate kind of professions. So psychiatric social work and almoners and uh, child welfare officers and probation officers all brought together under social work. So um, the huge amount in, in terms of development and it was the start of the regime of around inspection. So we had... I think when he was there, they had inspectors and they had... And since then, of course, we've now got a whole inspection agency uh, called the Care Inspectorate in mm -hmm. Scotland, mm -hmm. and it's their job. So so when my dad left and Angus Skinner took over, then there was a... a functions and they created the Care Inspectorate. And then SSSC, which registers the, the um, regulates the workforce itself. So all these different functions have devolved. You know, they've mm. evolved now. Uh, originally, they were all under the one one. And um, you're a little bit. You're, you're breaking up a little bit, Iona. Can you hear me? Okay, still. Yeah, yeah I can hear you. Yep. Okay, uh -huh. we can you're edit. Okay? We can edit this yeah. little bit. Right. Um, I. Can you tell me just one thing, put, put my mind at rest for one thing firstly, there's an apocryphal story about your dad, after he retired he was asked if he would go and just be the director in Shetland for a year, just yeah. to, to take uh -huh. that over. Now, I don't know whether this is just a made up thing or whether it actually happened, but I'm told that he was instrumental in persuading the oil companies up there to pay a penny a barrel towards facility resources for disabled people in Shetland and he actually managed to buy a number of specially adapted cars with the oil revenue. Does that, does that ring a bell with you? Sorry, don't know. No. It sounds like the kind of it's thing you would do, but I don't actually know if you did. No, just a penny a barrel was just incredible if he did it. Uh -huh. I mean... You know, I wouldn't uh -huh. put it past him, you know. No, no. You know, no. But I'm not, I, I don't know. He certainly was the director of social work in Shetland. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, he did lots of things like sailing and all sorts of things in Shetland as usual. Mm. But look, uh, whether he did that, I don't know. No, I'll look into that. He was very, very helpful to me. You talked about his influence in the politics and his knowledge of the political world because he, he helped in the introduction of my introduction down in the House of Lords to Baroness Lucy Faithful, uh -huh. um, who uh, was a passionate, I don't know if you knew her, but she was a passionate woman, a social worker in the House of Lords, um, a firebrand, and an absolute mm -hmm. wouldn't take no for an answer sort of person. And she was heavily instrumental in pushing for the um, what became the 1997-8 Sexual Offences Act. Mm -hmm. And um, that created the register of offenders. Mm -hmm. And um, unfortunately, Lucy died just about a year or so before it actually well, became law. Mm -hmm. But she mm -hmm. gave me space in the House of Lords and David had helped to organise that, you know, and, and so on and uh -huh. introduced me to people. And it was just sort of um, that just always, rem I always remember that with him. That and visiting the first social work museum <laughs> in Mulgai. Oh, yes. Which I think the aforementioned Fred Edwards set up to do. Yeah, I know, which was so quaint. It was just, it had like things like a sock and a glove, and whatever, uh -huh. amongst a whole load of other obviously very important paperwork and stuff like that. But mm -hmm. I think that's all been that's all transferred now. I can't, which of the universities? One of the universities is, hosts it now, doesn't it? The social work Probably museum? it'll be Strathclyde. Strathclyde. Yeah, I think so. Mm. I don't hmm. know. 
I think it's Strathclyde, yes. Did your dad seemed to, in my mind, to write a lot. Does that does that ring true, or was that just my imagination that he actually wrote quite a bit in terms of actual kind of um, for things like you know Rostrum magazine for for Baswa at the time uh-huh. and so on and other articles and stuff like that. Did, did you did you have in mind that he was a kind of a quite a an accomplished writer? I, I don't know. To be honest, I'm not sure because I, I, suppose, I think he did. I suspect that he did, and as a civil servant, he would have. But um, it wasn't it, it wasn't something I was that aware of. I suppose I was busy doing what I was doing, and he was doing what he was doing. So, mm. yeah. Um, but yeah, I would have expected. It. Certainly, uh, he wrote quite often in the in the press and, and stuff. But yeah. and I would have expected him to do that, but. I don't know. I suppose I just took it for granted. Yeah. Well, look, we're, we're coming to sort of the end of the kind of time for now, but just can I ask you just one or two things before we finish? Of course. Um, he always seemed to me to have a particular point of view, and, he, and at the drop of a hat, if I ever asked him if he was sat where you are just now, and I said to him, what, what would you say to people that are contemplating going into social work today? He would mm-hmm. have a, a have a ready answer, and and I, and I rather suspect that you would too. Um, would you? I mean, why don't we just say that? What what advice would you give? What what encouragement, if it, would you give to people that are considering coming into social work today? Because it it doesn't always receive the best press, and and yet lots of us know that it is. I think a very valuable way of work. Um, what, what would you say to these people? Oh, I think it's still the same, you know, that it's been, it's just become a bit more complicated or it feels like it's a bit more complicated because uh, the picture in England is very different to the picture in Scotland. But um, in both instances, I suppose there's much more um, specialism around whether you become a childcare worker or a justice worker or a Mm. community care worker. But ultimately, it's the same thing that drives most social workers, which is basically wanting to make a difference. Every social worker I've ever met wants to make a difference. Uh, And that's what drives them forward, by and large. And I think that um, if you want a job that's sometimes um, challenging, but ultimately usually pretty rewarding, then social work's the right kind of job. Um, And I know... um, there's lots of different stresses and pressures just now on social workers and the context is, is quite different across the UK. But mm. ultimately, if you'd rather spend your time doing something that actually makes a difference to other people, then social work is still uh, a profession to consider. And I would encourage anybody to join it in terms of uh, getting something out of what you do. Okay. Iona, thanks very much indeed for your time. And, um, well... Uh, I wish you all the best. Okay, thank you very much. Bill McKittrick also died this year. Incredibly sadly, he was a very young age. He was only in his 60s. And following a short illness, he passed away several months ago. Now, Bill was not just my friend. He was a social worker and his career started back in the early 1970s. But he was committed to the profession. He was committed to the ideal of social work. He was committed to 
challenging managerialism in all its forms and actually making social workers stand up for themselves and their profession. Latterly, he wrote a couple of books uh, following a long career of writing many, many articles. And these books were all about self-leadership and professional supervision. When I first met him, it was in the mid-90s, and so for 20 years I saw firsthand his commitment to his profession. He was Director of Social Services for Bristol for 10 years, and during that time he weathered a lot of storms, as directors do. He uh, initiated a lot of good practice, as only some do, and he also shared my vision on opening up the profession to much more transparency and scrutiny. And in fact, he was amongst the first, if not the first, to really have uh, allowed and persuaded others to allow the television cameras to uh, come into the department. And in fact, the BBC made three one-hour documentaries following a team of frontline child protection social workers and it was respectful, and people saw what could be done, and Bill was responsible for that. And I'm going to be eternally grateful, because as some of you know from previous podcasts and from my own position, that's very, very much a, a campaign and a, a cause that I believe in myself, the opening up of social work and the actual taking control more of the media, rather than being a, just a responsive element and a defensive situation. And Bill was very much in, in, in line with that. Now, he actually was committed to the professional association and he served in a number of positions in the British Association of Social Workers as well. Um, he, he eventually, for several years, became the treasurer and was very uh, a careful treasurer, but also a, a, a diligent one and was terribly well respected. During that time, he also was heavily involved in arguing for the creation of the College of Social Work. I was, of course, thrilled when it happened, but terribly disappointed when it went the way that it did and didn't necessarily follow what he passionately argued for and what it should be. He, he thought it should start very modestly with a small structure and then expand as membership grew, but it, it kind of got a hold of itself and it became like a runaway train. And, and ultimately, as people in the United Kingdom know, it, um, it virtually collapsed. But he, he taught with me. We, we trained uh, people together. We did courses on supervision together. Um, and I could just see from his writing, from his passion and from his engagement with the attendees at these conferences, just how much he actually believed in what he was saying. He wasn't just robotic. He actually had a big heart, and, and he transmitted that to the people that he talked to. He's been a champion for social workers, and he's been one of the top leaders in social services who never forgot where he came from. He never forgot the roots that he had in the profession and campaigned so strongly for social justice. He felt that social workers should all take individual responsibility 
that they should remember that they are indeed individual professionals and that they should challenge wherever possible and proper managerialism and bureaucracy where it took over unnecessarily and seemed to somehow or other disable the profession, stultify the work that was being done, the work that people trained for. So he was a real wise man. He was a really good friend of mine. And uh, he leaves uh, a family, a wife, two children, grandchildren. And um, the community is much poorer now, with Bill having moved on. He interestingly, too, had quite a sense of humour and a very dry sense of humour and a very kind of academic format to himself. But un underneath all of that, he did have a heart of gold and a compassionate and caring person, more compassionate and caring person you couldn't find. So there we are. He's gone now, but he won't be forgotten. And he's not just left a, a legacy, a literary legacy, but he's also left a legacy amongst a whole cluster of friends, colleagues and admiring students. So Bill, we'll miss you, just like we'll miss David Colvin. It's been a sad year, but I just hope that it won't be forgotten. And I hope that other people who might have memories of David and Bill will take the opportunity to uh, let me know and reflect them, and I'll see if I can put some in future podcasts, because these leaders in our world really shouldn't be forgotten, and we should understand the things that we've learned from them, the wisdom that's come from them, and how they've helped us grow. So anyway, thanks for listening today. Uh, I'll be putting another podcast out pretty soon to do with forthcoming conferences that I'm part of. And as always, thanks to Alba Digital Media for the technical support in making this podcast. And please keep your comments coming. It really is fantastic. Whether you tweet me at Dave Niven or whether you go to the LinkedIn side of it or whether you just leave a message um, that you can do one click here um, on, on the podcast site itself. That would be really helpful. Thanks for listening. See you next time.